Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you. From God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The portion of God's word to which we draw our attention this morning is the gospel reading for today from Luke chapter 10, starting at verse 25. I'll read again the beginning verses of that text. Please rise as we hear these words. Just then, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus, saying, Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law? He asked him. What do you read there? He replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. He said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. This is the word of our Lord. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, these are your words. Make us holy through the truth. Your word is truth. Amen. Following instructions is not always the easiest thing for us to do, especially if it's something that has very complicated instructions. We may not like trying to follow them. I'm sure that there have been some times when you've taken on some project. Let's say that you you bought a, a bookcase that you had to put together. And so you pull all of the parts out, you look at the instructions, and the instructions seem way too complicated for a simple bookcase. And so you set the instructions aside and you just start putting things together as you think they need to go together. And after a while, you get frustrated because it's not going well, and so you decide to pick up those instructions. And unfortunately, well, they haven't been translated very well from whatever language they started off in. And so it says something like, For inserting into slot A the tab of mainboard B, push from left to right firmly once. And so you just kind of give up on the instructions and try and do your best to, to get that bookshelf together. You decide you don't need any instructions at all. But there are other things in life for which we probably would love to have some instruction. Am I ready to die? What's going to happen to me after I die? Can we answer those questions really well? Can we have access to a book that tells us about how we can be ready to die? Death doesn't come according to a schedule that we're aware of, but can we be ready for death? Are we ready for death? That's a question in the mind, not just of us as Christians, but it's in the mind of every person. Because we all know by nature that that our bodies are frail. Our bodies are failing us. And eventually they're going to wear out. And they're going to die. The expert in the law in this Bible passage that we're looking at from Luke, he had similar questions in mind. Jesus had just welcomed back the 72 missionaries that he had sent out. And he tells them to rejoice that their names are written in heaven. And this intrigued this expert in the law. And so he asked that question that we're going to consider today. What must I do to inherit eternal life? There are only two possible sources of answers to that question. And and both of these sources are actually the two main teachings of the Bible. 
First off, how does the law answer that question? What must I do to inherit eternal life? The law tells us, do something. This is in keeping with what the expert in the law was expecting when he asked Jesus that question. Notice he didn't ask, how is it that I might be able to inherit eternal life? He said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He was looking for that clear and plain instruction book that would just lay it out perfectly for him. He had it in his mind, as did many of the Jews of that day, that that eternal life, salvation, was something that could be accomplished by doing things, by doing a certain number of tasks to God's satisfaction so that God would look favorably upon us. In other words, salvation was to be granted by keeping the law. And the Jewish religious leaders of that time, they had all kinds of laws for the people to follow. Not only were you supposed to keep all of God's law, all of the law in the Old Testament, but they had come up with hundreds more laws that they said you had to keep in order to be in good standing with God. They kept themselves busy making sure that that they and everyone else for that matter at least obeyed the law outwardly, that they appeared to be holy and righteous. Now, before we automatically condemn such a mindset, because, well, we would never think that way, we have to be honest with ourselves. This mindset appeals to our sinful nature. We like to be told what to do. We operate that way in many areas of our life. We're told, you know, put away money when you're young so that you can retire at a decent age. Go to school. Get through college so you can have a good job. And so we, when we think about wanting to please God, the same thing holds true. We want it to be as easy as doing certain things or maybe not doing certain things. Or maybe we figure that that we can do more good things than bad things so that those scales, well, the balance falls in our favor. This makes the whole matter of eternal life, of gaining eternal life, quite tangible, quite measurable to us, something that, that we can hold on to because we can do it. But again, that is the law speaking. In answer to that question, what must I do to inherit eternal life? The law says do something. And that really does not cut it. The true purpose of the law, you see, is to tell us you are a sinner. Now that's not something that we like to hear. From the time that we're young, we don't like to be told that that we've done something wrong, that we have failed in some way. It doesn't change when we're adults. As we grow older, we still don't like to be told that we've done something wrong, especially when it comes to our relationship with God. Now, maybe that's part of the reason why this expert in the law to whom Jesus spoke missed the point entirely. This man thought he had been doing everything that that Jesus said he was supposed to do, that He had been loving God with all of his heart and soul. He had been loving his neighbor. 
But what he missed entirely was the impossibility of doing that. He considered he was already obeying that command. He figured that that continuing to do that would be no problem. The Jewish religious leaders of the day taught that as long as you outwardly obeyed the law, as long as it looked like you were obeying the law, then you were okay. And maybe that's what was in the mind of this expert in the law. He hadn't been flagrantly disobeying God's law, and so he thought he had been keeping it. Looking at that same command cited by the expert in the law, we know we fall, we fall far short of obeying it. Think about that command again. Can we love God so completely with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with our entire being, with everything that we are? And how about loving our neighbor as ourself? Well, the reason Jesus put that command that way to love your neighbor as yourself is because he knows that according to our sinful nature, we love ourselves the most. And so if we're supposed to love others that same amount, can we actually do that? If we're honest with ourselves, we have to admit that we can't. And because we can't, we won't inherit eternal life. Rather, because of the way that we're born on our own, we only are going to inherit eternal death, eternal death in hell. So in answering that question, what must I do to inherit eternal life? The law tells us to do something, namely to keep God's law perfectly. And if we could do that, well, then we would be okay. But we can't. The law tells us, no, you are a sinner. That's the main function of God's law, to tell us that we're sinners. So where do we go from here? Well, I mentioned before that there are two possible sources of answers to this question. And the other source is the other main teaching of the Bible, namely the gospel. So in answering that question, what must I do to inherit eternal life? The gospel says, do nothing. Just look at this parable that Jesus told, this familiar parable, which shows how we're to be a neighbor to anyone that we meet. But then also we can see how we do nothing to inherit eternal life. Consider this man that that was beaten and left for dead on the road. What did he do in order for this Samaritan who finally came along and had compassion on him? What did he do for that Samaritan to have mercy on him? What did he do in order for this Samaritan to take him and and bind up his wounds, to put him on his own animal, take him to the inn, take care of him there, give the innkeeper two months' worth of, of money to cover his expenses, and then telling him he would come back and, and pay even more if necessary? What did that man do for that Samaritan to do all that for him? He did nothing. And that's exactly what we do to inherit eternal life. Jesus came upon us who were beaten and left for dead by sin, by the devil. And he had compassion on us. He went to the cross to pay for our sins, to die an agonizing death so that we wouldn't have to. And so Jesus 
lifted us up in his arms when he took us to the baptismal font and there washed away all of our wounds, all of our death-causing sins. He gave us life. He restored us to life. So what do we need to do in order to inherit eternal life? Jesus says in Revelation 22, Let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who wants the water of life take it as a gift. We can't do anything to inherit eternal life because Jesus has done it all for us. Anything that we do as Christians is is simply a response. Any good work that we do is a response to Jesus' love for us. We love because he first loved, loved us, John says in his first letter. So the gospel tells us not to do anything when it comes to inheriting eternal life. And in addition, the gospel tells us you are a saint. Well, that's quite a different message from what the law tells us. We don't normally think of ourselves as saints. Typically, we think of ourselves as sinners. But God says that we are saints. God says that we are perfect. And in his eyes, we are. Paul wrote in Ephesians 1 that God chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. When did we receive this perfection? It was at our baptism. When Jesus washed our sins away, he also clothed us with his perfection, the perfect life that he had lived in our place. He put that on us. So that when God looks at us, he doesn't see our sin. He sees perfection. Now, we don't always feel that way. Again, we don't think of ourselves as being perfect. Maybe we think of ourselves as as looking really nice, kind of like that old junker of a car that, that someone has fixed up. They've taken it and, and, oh, the exterior looks perfect. It's nice and new and shiny. But the engine, the transmission, all of the major components, they're all bad. They're all rusting out and and dying. In spite of the fact that we still have our sinful nature, in spite of the fact that we will continue to sin in thought, word, and deed until we die for the rest of our lives, we are saints. We are perfect in God's eyes. And that sainthood is going to reach its ultimate state when we get to heaven then we will be able to love God with all of our heart and all of our soul and all of our strength and all of our mind we will be able to love our neighbor as ourselves because we will no longer have sin our sinful nature will be gone we will truly be perfect and in the meantime we do our best We love God by putting Him as the number one thing in our lives. And when we mess up and and we put something else up there in God's place, we repent. God forgives us for Jesus' sake and we start over. We love our neighbors as ourselves. We, We help our neighbors whenever we can. We speak well of them. We put their words and actions in the kindest possible way. And when we fail, we repent. And God forgives us for Jesus' sake and we start over. 
What must I do to inherit eternal life? There's one other issue with that question that this expert in the law asked, and that has to do with the word inherit. Normally, when we think of inheriting something, we don't think of having to do anything for it. An inheritance is simply something that somebody gives to us when they die. What must I do to inherit eternal life? We know that there's only one answer to that question. And we know the source, the true and only source of the answer to that question. Because we know what the Bible tells us. There's nothing that we can do to inherit eternal life because Jesus has already done everything necessary to gain that life for us. The law may tell us to to do things in order to get that life, but the gospel says no, it's already done. Jesus has already come. Jesus has come and lived and died and risen for you. The only thing you need to do is believe it. Trust in Him that He is your Savior. You have eternal life. Amen.